You are listening to a sermon from MCA Church. To learn more about our community, head online to mcachurch.ca. Thanks. Over the next couple of months, I want to invite you to grow in hearing the voice of God in your life, because he's speaking. We're going to do that through a sermon series called Listening for God, and we begin this morning in Ezekiel chapter 37. And so I invite you, if there's a pew Bible in front of you, uh, or you have your device, you can open it to Ezekiel 37. I'm going to spend a lot of time in the text this morning, and so why don't you turn there with me? Uh, It's on page 602 in the pew Bible. Ezekiel chapter 37, it might be a familiar passage to you, or maybe this is the first time you've ever heard it before. Ezekiel 37. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to his church. Hear the word of the Lord. The hand of the Lord was on me. And he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. And so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and the tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Jesus, yes. What a text of Scripture. Your word is living and active. And so I pray, Jesus, even right now that your word would be living and active in all who have ears to hear. And so, Spirit, move in us. Teach us from this text. But not simply teach our heads. Lord, grab our our heart's attention so that we might hear you with them. Because you have a word for every single one of us. So speak, Jesus, for your people are listening and you are faithful. So lead us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, what a picture of Scripture, right? Okay, the Spirit of God leads Ezekiel to, to this, this valley, and as he looks over the valley, it's full of bones, like dry, dead bones. I mean, what on earth is happening with this, with this scene in Scripture? Well, in it, just like other places in the Bible, we're getting a, a picture of a, a greater reality that is taking place. This, in Ezekiel 37, we're we're getting a picture of the reality of Israel, the the people of God, the nation of Israel. We're getting a a, a picture of of their reality in in their relationship and life with the living God. It's a picture of their life with God. It's dry bones. And now, in order for us to to, to see this picture, I mean, we're living here in in 2020, a long time since the Israelites lived in this particular place at that particular time. And in order for us to see the picture, we need to understand the context. And the context is this. Previous to when this was written, in the past, Israel had been a great nation. They'd been a great nation. Uh, the people of God were, were great, and their greatness was really a, a reflection of God's greatness, his, his glory. And as a great nation, there were two things that really symbolized uh, that they looked to, uh, to, to reflect their greatness. The first was the city of Jerusalem. And the city of Jerusalem, it, it, it was like it represented to the people God's promises being fulfilled, Right? Because God had promised to make them a great nation and that his kingdom would be established on the earth through the line of David, right? And so David established a kingdom centered in Jerusalem. And so the city, it was a grand city. It was full of life. It's it's where where people followed God. It, It actually came to be called the city of God. And the city, it represented the, the fulfillment of promises to Israel. It's like for the Israelites, they would look at the city and say, look, God is for us. His promises are fulfilled. The second thing uh, was something that, we, we, that, that reflected this, the glory of, of the nation of Israel was, uh, was first the city, but then secondly, what we find in the city, the temple. The temple was the place where the glory of God dwelt in the Holy of Holies. It was like that place where, where heaven and earth met, where, where God's presence resided. And the temple was the place that people would go to worship God, to, to bring their offering, to, to come and, and be reconciled to, as sinful people to a holy God. It was a place of celebration, a place of joy. Why? Because God dwelt among the temple. It was a symbol of his presence 
And for the people of Israel, the temple would be the reason they say, look, God is with us. But when these words in Ezekiel chapter 37 are written, all of this, all of it, had been ruined. Before, you used to be able to, the city of Jerusalem, it was called the city on a hill because it was perched up a bit on a hill and, and at night when it was dark, when, when there was blackness in, in the sky, you could look up to the city and you would see all this light and life emanating from the city, from, from the temple. It was as though the very light and life of God was, was, was coming from that place. But when the dry bones, the valley of dry bones is written, all of that had been lost. It, this is written in the sixth century. And at this time in history, a, few, a number of years previous, the Babylonian superpowers entered into the city of Jerusalem and they burned it down. They went to the temple and they, they turned it over brick by brick. And they took the majority of uh, the, the nation of Israel, the people of God living in that city, and they marched them out of that city cutting them off from the great city of Jerusalem, from the great temple where God dwelt among them. And they were displaced and settled in, in various places around the Babylonian empire. I mean, can we just take a moment to imagine what it would have been like for them? One generation. You are living under the promises of God. Living with this deep sense that, that God is for you. And in that same moment, living with the sense of God's presence in your life, that God is with you. But then in the next generation, it's all gone. I mean, what would that do to your vitality in life, just in, in life in general? Like getting out of bed in the morning, getting up and, and going to work. What would it do to that? And what would it do to your faith? Verse 11 actually tells us what the Israelites said at that time. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. This is how the nation of Israel felt. Cut off, dry bones, you see, what we're reading here is a picture of the reality of their life with God. This greater reality that they were people who were cut off. And we need to understand that, that they were in this situation in part, in large part, because of their own disobedience to God. Because of their sin. And so what we're reading is a picture. A picture of the reality of their life with the living God. But I want to suggest to you this morning that, that though this was a picture for Israel, it is a picture for us as well. Because sometimes in our life with the living God, it's like dry bones. Sometimes it feels like that. And we get to this valley of dry bones for, for a variety of reasons. Like maybe you're here this morning and, and, and as you've woken up every morning this week, you, you get out of bed and, 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 and maybe, maybe you feel like you're in a desert. <laughs> maybe you came to church this morning and you thought, you know what, what's the point? I've been going for a while and I just don't feel anything. Some, 
maybe you've known this life-giving spirit of God, the, the living water of God at one point in your life. But in these days, you feel like it's all gone dry. It's like living in a valley of dry bones. We get there from time to time. Others of you, maybe, maybe you're having a crisis of faith. It's not so much a, a crisis in the desert. It's, it's a, an actual crisis of faith. You're, you're thinking, I don't know about this whole God thing at all. Like, is he real? Does he care? Does he hear me? Your life with God is like a, a valley of dry bones. It feels dead, God. I feel cut off. Where are you? For others of you, maybe you're tangled up in the darkness of sin. And maybe you don't realize it quite yet, but you are cut off. That you're on a path of destruction. You see, this isn't simply a, a picture of Israel's life with the living God. It's, it's a picture of all of our lives with the living God. It's like a valley of dry bones. And we need Jesus to do something. Verse 2, Ezekiel says, He, meaning God, he led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. Now we're in the picture. And God asked me, son of man, can these bones live? Can these dry bones live again? What a question. And I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Now, in the original language, in the Hebrew, the literal translation of uh, Ezekiel's response to God is, Sovereign Lord, you yourself know. The NIV's translated it, you alone know, which is fine. That's the, probably the meaning. That's the meaning. But the literal uh, words that come there is, Sovereign Lord, you yourself know. And so I've, I've wondered, as I've spent the last couple weeks in living in this text, I've wondered, how did Ezekiel respond to, to, to God that day? Was it with despair or was it with hope? God looks, uh, points out these dry bones, this, this life with the Lord, and he says, son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel says, you yourself know, is it despair you yourself know, God, dead bones don't raise to life. <laughs> or is it hope? You yourself know you hold the keys to life. Was Ezekiel full of despair or was he full of hope? Well, I actually think it was a bit of both. It was a bit of both. Isn't that often we're filled of both? Despair and hope. It's as though God says to him, Ezekiel, can these bones really live? And Ezekiel responds to him by saying, not without you they can't. Ezekiel, can these bones live? <laughs> not on their own they can't. You see, the text is opening us up to a reality, and it's this. That there are some things that only God can do in your life. 
There are some things, no matter how hard you try, no, no, matter, no matter how hard we, we work towards certain objectives, there are some things that only God can do in your life and in my life. And I want to suggest to you this morning that, that those some things, the some things that only God can do in your life are the most important parts of who you are. I mean, consider this. We, we can work really hard. We can spend a life working uh, to, to build a life for ourselves, to, to build success, right? We can, we can spend our, our life building our career and, and, and building our net worth and, and, and buying properties and rental properties and, uh, and, and, and growing this life of success. But even then, with all those things, we can be living in a valley of dry bones. We can be disconnected from the promises and the presence of God despite working hard, despite having so much. You can spend your life working toward popularity and good looks, but still be living in a valley of dry bones. You can do everything in your power to to stay healthy and and mentally strong, but still be living in the valley of dry bones. You can have all the discipline in the world to resist sin, You can battle addiction, but still feel like you're living in a valley of dry bones. You can say every prayer and attend every worship service, but still be living in the valley of dry bones. And God asks, can these bones live Not without you, God, they can't. Because there are some things that only God can do in your life. And those are the most important things in life. And the question is, what do you need God to do with your dry bones? There are some things only he can do which is what comes next in the text. God does something. Look at verse 4. God does something. Then he, God said to me, Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Okay, so what a strange thing to say. All right? Hey, Ezekiel, can these bones live? Well, not unless you do something, God. Okay, Ezekiel, I want you to prophesy to the bones. <laughs> what is going on here? Well, the key is understanding this word prophesy. And maybe for you, you're like, okay, that's a, that's a strange word for me. But, but the word prophesy in the Bible, it, it does mean a great many things. But at its core, to prophesy means to faithfully speak the words of God. To prophesy is is this situation where God entrusts his word to a person so that they might faithfully hand that word, speak that word to others, 
to another person, to a group of people. So God entrusts his word to be faithfully spoken to other people. And it's a powerful word, an authoritative word. This is what it means to prophesy. And it's what God asks Ezekiel to do to the dry bones. Speak my word. Prophesy. Now, I'm going to take a little detour from the text, okay? Uh, and this has nothing to do with the text, but it has everything to do with the Bible, all right? So we're, we're on good grounds here. But I want to say this because I think it's important. It's important because it's relevant in our, our time, and it's come up in our local church context. And this is what I want to say about prophecy and prophesying. Throughout the Bible, throughout the Bible, okay, we get this? God has entrusted his word to be spoken by both men and women alike. Both men and women have always prophesied through the scriptures. In the Old Testament, we have uh, characters like Miriam and Huldah and, and, and Deborah and, and maybe you don't know their stories, and, and so maybe this week it's good to go and read their stories, but we're told that they prophesied the word of God. They, they faithfully spoke God's word, his powerful and authoritative word to other people. And in the New Testament, in the New Testament, on that great day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit filled his church, right, we read about it in Acts chapter 2. And we're told there that, that what is happening is the fulfillment of God's promise to Joel, right? And how it's described is we know that this is the fulfillment of God's promise that's spoken through the prophet Joel because the Spirit was filling people. And what happened? Men and women prophesied. A little later in Acts chapter 21, we read about Philip the evangelist. And Philip the Evangelist, it's a strange line at the end of the, uh, the book of Acts. We're told he has four daughters. And guess what? They all prophesied. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we read about the Corinthian church and how both men and women prophesied. And in that particular chapter, Paul's giving some instruction on how to do it in a way that is appropriate in the context in which they are prophesying. Why? Because he wants the word to be heard. But the point is, both men and women faithfully spoke the powerful and authoritative word of God. And it's like, okay, Keith, why are you making a big deal about this? Well, for some of you, this, this is maybe a big deal. There have been a number of times, not often, but once in a while, I've been asked, Keith, doesn't, doesn't the scripture teach us? Doesn't it say that, that, that women shouldn't be teaching in the church? And so, Keith, why do you sometimes have a woman preacher? the question I get. And it's an honest question. But we need to understand that throughout the scriptures, both men and women together, side by side, have faithfully declared the words God has entrusted them uh, to them in an authoritative way so that the word might be heard. Because that's what God wants. And yes, there are two particular passages that that Paul writes in the New Testament that, that are prohibiting or, or limiting a woman's speech in a church, in the church. But we need to understand 
that Paul is writing that because he's addressing something that's happening in the particular context. And what was happening was the word wasn't being heard. And he gave some clear direction. But the point is, men and women together have prophesied. (laughs) Because prophesying is about faithfully speaking God's word. So his will and his character and Jesus might be revealed in us, in his church. And that we as his church might follow faithfully. Oh, there's a lot packed into that one word, prophesy, isn't there? Are you still with me? Yeah. Okay, back to the bones. Ezekiel's led out to this valley of dry bones, and it's this picture of, uh, of, of Israel's life with God, which is actually a picture of our life with God. And he asks, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel says, well, n- not without you, they can't. <laughs> Not unless you do something, they can't. And and so then God says, okay, Ezekiel, prophesy to the bones. Speak to the bones. And this is what he says in verse 5. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. Notice it's not Ezekiel saying this to the bones, though he's speaking. It's the sovereign Lord speaking through Ezekiel. Sovereign Lord says, I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendon to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and then you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. And as Ezekiel faithfully begins to prophesy, as he speaks these words of God, something begins to happen. A noise begins to to, to be heard and a rattling noise as as bones are coming together and and tendons are being formed and flesh is covering and skin is covering. A body is coming together in this this vision, in this, this picture. It's an incredible scene. At first, a hopeless valley of bones, a, a dead, cut off, decaying relationship with God. But then the living God speaks. And something happens. When God speaks, something happens. And when God speaks, something always happens. I mean, let's think about this for a moment. Your very existence, the very reason that you're sitting in this chair is because God spoke you into being. In the book of Genesis, as we read the creation narrative, okay, we read Genesis chapter one, and over and over again, we hear the refrain, right? And God said, and God said, and God said. It happens nine times in Genesis chapter one, and God says. And then it's followed by this, and it was so, and it was so. And it was so, and it was so, the refrain over and over again. When God speaks, something happens. And there was this one moment in history when the word of God took on flesh and made his dwelling among people in the person of Jesus Christ, right? The word became flesh. And when Jesus, the son of God, spoke, something happened. Something always happened. Jesus just needs to say the word and something happened. And we can do a real quick survey of some of the things that Jesus spoke in the Gospel of Mark. 
He said, be clean to a man whose skin was covered in sores and leprosy. And the man was healed. He said, be still to a storm that was raging all around, threatening the lives of people on the boat. And the wind and the waves stopped. He said, come out to a man who was tormented by an impure spirit. And the evil left him in peace. He said, get up to a little girl who who was on her deathbed, lifeless. And when he spoke, she drew a breath, she got up, and she ate a meal. He said, be opened to the eyes of a man who could not see. And he was healed. He could see again. Be clean. Be still. Come out. Get up. Be opened. Jesus need only speak the word and something happens. You remember the story in, in Matthew chapter 8 of the centurion. who This is in the city of Capernaum. Jesus, Jesus had been uh, all day like busy in ministry. He had been announcing the gospel. He had been announcing that the kingdom of heaven had come to the earth in and through himself. That was essentially how he was announcing the gospel. The kingdom has come in me. Put your trust in me, Jesus says. And as a demonstration of this, he's feeding people and healing people and blessing people. And so the centurion hears that, that when Jesus speaks, something happens. And so he goes to find Jesus in the midst of this busy day. And he he gets Jesus' attention, and and the centurion, this this guy isn't even one of the people of God. (laughs) Oh, but of course he's a child of God. And the centurion says to Jesus, look, I've got this servant at home, and, and he's really sick, and he's paralyzed. And so Jesus asked him the question, would you like me to come with you to attend to this man? And the centurion says, no, Jesus. You need only say the word, and he will be healed. When Jesus speaks, something happens. Something always happens. Jesus, just speak the word, and something will happen. This is God's solution to the dry bones. Ezekiel, just speak the word. And something will happen. Because when God speaks, something happens. Something always happens. Now, church, I want to let you in on a little bit of a secret here. Well, it's not really a secret. It's just something that often goes unnoticed. (laughs) Jesus is speaking over you right now. Jesus is speaking a word over you. He's speaking a word over the people in our city. He's speaking a word over our world. Scriptures tell us that. The author of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. At the beginning of this this letter, the the, the author is describing who Jesus is, and he describes him first as like this, the the, the visible image of an invisible God. (laughs) Jesus can be seen. He's the exact representation of God. And then he tells us that Jesus is sustaining the world through what? You can see it on the screen behind me, can't you? I know you can see that. It's there. Through his powerful word. 
your life is being sustained by the word of Jesus right now. Our city is being sustained by the word of Jesus. He is speaking over our city and over our world. Jesus is speaking. When God speaks something, that something always happens. And the question is, what always happens? <laughs> what always happens when Jesus speaks the word? Well, that's what comes next in the text. Verse 9 and 10. And before I get there, the context. Pro- Ezekiel has prophesied to the bones. They've kind of come together, but still something is missing. Something's missing, right? We have a body, but no breath. Verse 9. Then he, God, said to me, Ezekiel, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, from the four winds and breathe into these slain so that they may live. Verse 10, so I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Uh, so so it, it, God tells Ezekiel, hey, prophesy to the breath. <laughs> it's a strange kind of thing. First it was prophesied to, to the bones. Now it's prophesied to the breath. Uh, what's happening here? We need to understand the word breath here. It comes from the, the Hebrew word ruach. Maybe you've heard it before. Ruach, it's fun to say. <laughs> and it means breath, but it also means spirit. And so we have this body that represents the nation of Israel who are dead in their life with God, and their body is coming together, but there is something missing. And the question is, is is God instructing Ezekiel to to speak to, to the breath or the spirit of a human individual to enter that body so it may live? Or is he being asked to speak to a different spirit? the Holy Spirit, to enter the life of this person so that they may truly live? I think it's the latter. Prophesy the word of God with the spirit of God. We see it actually in verse 14 a little later, right? Because in verse 14, when we get a summary of what has taken place, we're told, God says, I will put my spirit in you and then you will live. God is is asking Ezekiel to, to prophesy, to speak, and ask that the Holy Spirit would enter a pers- this, uh, the, the nation of Israel, that he would bring them to life. And here's the point that I want to make. That when we, we wonder if, if when God speaks, something always happens, the question is, what always happens? Well, the answer is when God's word is spoken, he speaks it so that we might have life by the Holy Spirit. The word and the spirit bring life. That's what Jesus came to do. That's what he came to do on the cross is to to bring us to life through the Holy Spirit. But the problem is the Holy Spirit doesn't live with unholy people. But Jesus made way for us to be forgiven so that he might live in us. What happens when God speaks? He brings us to life by the Spirit. 
This is always what happens, right? Think back to creation. When God spoke at creation, he spoke things to life, into life by the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus said, you know, be, um, when he said, uh, be clean and be still and come out and get up and be opened, in the lives of those individual people, he was bringing them to a restored life by the Holy Spirit. And when the Spirit of God speaks, when Jesus speaks to us as his church, he's bringing us to life by the Holy Spirit, right? Sometimes Jesus speaks a word of blessing that we need to hear. You're my child whom I love. In you I am well pleased. We need to hear it because those words bring life. They break chains in our life. They break the chains of feeling like we need to measure up to other people's expectations because we have a Father who loves us. If we hear him speak the words, his words bring life by the Holy Spirit. And sometimes his words to the church are ones that that bring conviction. But even those words, he, he wants to convict us of sin so that we might be forgiven and freed from their chains. The words bring life by the Spirit. When God speaks, something always happens. And what always happens is he brings us to life by the Holy Spirit. So this is it. This is the whole message. There are some things that only God can do in your life. And when he speaks, something happens. He brings us to life in the Holy Spirit. There's one remaining question that lingers for me as I've spent the last few weeks in this text, and it's this. If something always happens when God speaks, and God is always speaking his word over us, And shouldn't we be a people who learn to hear his voice more clearly? Shouldn't we learn to pay attention to the words of God in our everyday lives? Gordon Smith, uh, in his book, The, The, The Voice of Jesus, he says in the intro to his book that every Christian should be able to answer two questions. First, what is Jesus saying to you at this unique time in your life? And second, how do you know it's Jesus' voice and not some other? Over the next few months as a church, we want to help equip you to answer those two questions, to help you hear with greater clarity what God is saying in your life, to bring us from a a valley of dry bones to, to, to be people filled with the Spirit, alive in all that God has for us. And as I mentioned earlier, there are, there are a few ways we want to invite you. We want to equip you in this. One, I'll continue to preach through this series over the next couple months. We have our equipping class Tuesday, September 20th to October 11th, about hearing God's voice. And that's from 6.30 to 8. We'll be sending out a weekly Cultivate prayer tool uh, in your inbox through the e-bulletin. And we also have a few resources in the library that we'll highlight for you next week, but I'll, I'll, I'll bring us to that next week. So the question is, as I close, will you commit to leaning in in this season? Jesus is speaking over you, and his words are life. And we get to tune in to hear what he's saying, receive the life, and be a blessing to other people. Let's pray. 
Jesus. There may be lots of questions that are, <laughs> that are being asked in the hearts and minds of people even right now. Of people of God, I, I just invite us to quiet our mind or questions maybe. And just ask, say, Jesus, what are you speaking over me? Jesus, your word is life. It's breath. It's like living water. And Lord, we thank you that you have given us your word, that we have a foundation on which to stand. We know what your voice sounds like. But Lord, I know that unless your spirit fills the words we read, and the words we hear, there is no life. And so Jesus, breathe on your church. And in the season, we want to commit to you and say, hey, we believe you have something to say. Yes, you've said all that needs to be said in your, in your scriptures. But remind us. Direct us. Not simply for our blessing, but for the blessing of the city that you love. Hmm. So continue to speak, Spirit. Your servants are listening. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.